0: Well, if you'd like to sit, Stuart is going to read for us.
1: The reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 29. It can be found on page 98 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading we hear of John the Baptist's testimony of who is Jesus, followed by the calling of the first of Jesus' disciples. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me, comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him we have found the Messiah which is translated anointed he brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said you are Simon son of John you are to be called Cephas which is translated Peter the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Thank you, Stuart. We're going to look a little bit more closely at that passage that Stuart has just read to us. Um, And I'm going to pick out one or two parts of it. And I want to ask you two questions. I suddenly realize it's a bit like the schoolmaster of old uh, old days. Um, But uh, I'm going to ask two questions, or I'll look at two questions. Who is Jesus and who am I? Who is Jesus and who am I? You know, I don't know if you know this, but it's been said that the role of the preacher is to teach, to encourage, and to challenge. And that there will be times when he will comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. So I hope you're ready for all of that. (laughs) Shall we pray? Open our ears, Lord, (laughs) that we can hear you. Open our minds that we can receive you. Open our hearts to warm to you, but open my lips to proclaim your word, to proclaim you for your glory and your kingdom. Amen. In one of the Newsnight programs uh, on television at the end of last year, the interviewer stopped a number of people and asked them what they'd done on Christmas Day. Of what I saw, there was only one person who said that she'd been to church. And the interviewer followed up with the question, but but why did you go to church? Do you know, I found myself wondering as I, before she she replied, uh, why? I wonder how I would have responded to that sort of question in that situation. Any any thoughts from you? How would you have reacted? What would you have said? You know, for example, if Channel Television or Radio Jersey happened to be in the car park as we leave here this morning, and they asked you that sort of question, what would you say? Uh, By the way, uh, tell me, who who is this Jesus that you've just been worshipping in church. Would you run away? (laughs) Or would you stutter into the microphone? Or would you be able to give them a very clear, concise answer? You know, Jesus on occasions actually asked his disciples that very same question, didn't he? He said to them, who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 16, uh, Simon Peter answered, No problem. You are the Christ. In other words, you're the Messiah, that you're the Son of the living God. He didn't do that, did he? It was a quick answer. He knew that basic truth, which had become a reality to him in his meeting with Jesus. And of course, as we know, it was John the Baptist uh, who had been instrumental in bringing bringing about that very first meeting for Simon Peter, and his description of Jesus was not complicated in any way. It wasn't particularly detailed. We had it there again in verse 29 this morning. He said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, if I answered the chappie in the car park who asked me the question, who is this Jesus? I don't think I'd use such words to say who Jesus is to me. But, I wouldn't say he's the Lamb of God, but he is indeed my Savior. The one who rescued me and who paid sacrificially for my forgiveness. He is my Savior. That's certainly something I would say. And he is the one who I worship because of that very fact. That he is my Savior and I just will worship him. respond to him and in verse 33 we, we look on, John said he, referring to Jesus he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit you know and I'd have to, I ask the question is that our experience individually of Jesus and his ministry? It's certainly true for me uh, in his gifting and his anointing Yes, and I worship him. I'd be able to say that to the, uh, to the, the, the chappy on telly or uh, Rage Jersey. What about you? What would you be able to say? You see, because Jesus, for many of us, is much more than that. Um, there, look at the biblical references to him, what other people knew about him. He was the son of man, he was the son of God. He was Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, Redeemer. We sung about him this morning. Bread of Life, Light of the World, Sovereign King, Friend, Shepherd, Teacher. You could probably carry on with that list. Let's pause for a moment. Where would your emphasis be? What would you say is matters where Jesus going to say, matters most to you, means most to you. What would you highlight? You see, when we meet with Jesus and choose to follow him, we come into a deeper and a fuller one-to-one relationship, and we get to know him in different ways, and he means more to us, and we relate to him in that particular way. So, come on, the schoolmaster's coming out now again for me. Who is Jesus to you? You know, um, what would you be able to say in response? What does he mean to you? And only you can answer that. You can't answer that on behalf of other people. This has got to be a personal thing, isn't it? You know, when we stop and work it out, what is the difference that knowing him and having a relation to him has made to you? And how has it changed you? With the question is, who are you now? Who, you know, Who is Jesus? I know who Jesus is now. And as a result of it, who am I? Who am I? It's so easy, isn't it, for me to say who I am? I don't find it very difficult. I don't know how you introduce yourself but I'm, I find it very easy to say oh, I'm Brian Vibert, I'm Hazel's husband, I'm oh, Susie and Chris and Nicky's dad, um, I, I'm grandfather of four, um, four sons. Um, I, I used to be a schoolmaster. Um, what else do I say about myself? Oh, by the way, I've been called vicar, rector, padre, father, reverend, even dean on one occasion. Uh, They thought I was Bob Key. Um, Someone in hospital misheard... um, (laughs) uh, He totally misheard when I introduced myself as the lay pastor from St. Juan, and he told other people that he'd had a visit uh, from... uh, He'd had a visit from a survivor from Ceylon. Um, um, And in hospital, again, When asked about religion, I said uh, to the nurse, uh, Christian, and she said, is that Church of England? Interesting, wasn't it? But let's remind, you know, if, and, and I'll go on to say, to what extent do we actually say I'm a Christian when we introduce ourselves to other people? Because if that's what we are, let's remember that God's word tells us that we're more than that. Well, as Christians, we are saints, we are priests, we are kings, we are ambassadors, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. I was tempted to go to the dictionary and look up Chambers' Dictionary, and what does it say about a disciple? You know, that's what we are, isn't it? we're disciples, it says a disciple is one who professes to receive instruction. From another, he, a disciple is a learner. You know, who am I? I'm a disciple or a learner. Come on, am I still learning? As disciples, do you feel you're still learning? It's important, isn't it? Is one uh, the disciple is one who follows or believes in the doctrine of another? He's one who is a follower of Christ. Oh, a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple. Am I still a follower of Christ? Am I still following? Am I following in the fullest sense? There's challenge there, isn't there? The moment we think about, I'm a disciple. What is a disciple? He's a follower of Christ. Am I actually following in the fullest sense? And what about our discipleship in the context of this morning's reading? That we've just listened to. Does our walk with Jesus have that freshness and excitement that the early disciples had with their encounter with their Lord? Look in verse 41. The first thing that Andrew did was to go and find his brother Simon and tell him, hey, buddy, we have found the Messiah. And in verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the prophets wrote, Jesus from Nazareth. You see what Andrew and Philip had discovered was so exciting. It was so convincing that they couldn't wait to pass it on. They'd found a treasure so valuable that they just couldn't keep it to themselves. I wonder how many of us have that same contagious and enthusiastic conviction. You know? Have we lost it all? Have we never had it? You know, there's something missing in our discipleship, I believe, if we haven't and if we aren't. John Poulter, in his book, Today's Sort of Evangelism, writes, and he says, we are our message. Only what is me will communicate positively. Only what is me will communicate positively. And Nietzsche's challenge has never been more pertinent. He said, show me you are redeemed, and I will believe in your Redeemer. Show me you are redeemed, and I will believe in your Redeemer. In other words, are our lives speaking to people about Jesus? Does the way we live and behave and speak and react reflect Jesus? Does my manner, my attitude, the me, the me, reveal that Jesus has made me a new person with a new heart, with a new vision, with new purpose, with a new agenda, with the promise of a bigger and better harvest of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You see, unless there has been that divine transplant and transformation, then sadly I I believe there'll be little to communicate. It's important, isn't it? So vital. So, so important. But of course, in whatever way we witness to Jesus, we'll meet at times with a kind of response which Nathaniel had. He was asked the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, here was prejudice, wasn't there? It was prejudice. Prejudice based on ignorance, in many ways, deep-seated prejudice concerning Jesus's humble origin. You know, we sometimes say, "Can thing good come out of Guernsey?" We joke. I expect it's prejudice in some ways, or it's habit. And then, but in 2023, there is much prejudice against Jesus. I see quite a lot of it, and Satan continues to sow anti. Uh, Christian propaganda, furnishing an unbelieving world with, uh, with all the arguments, and we can get so easily caught up uh, in, in that trap of answering with counter-argument. It is good to be prepared to do so, and you know, we've got no excuse for being ignorant of God's word. Indeed, as Paul reminds us in his letter to the church in Ephesus, we are to be armed with the sword of the Spirit. We are to be armed with God's Word. But take note of the very simple way which Philip countered Nathaniel's argument. Not with another argument, but by a simple invitation. Come on, come and see. Come and see for yourself, says Philip. You know, faith doesn't grow and develop on other people's experiences. We can help, we can encourage, we can take others by the hand and point them to Jesus. But they have to come and see for themselves. And remember that those first disciples, they came for a day and they stayed for a lifetime. You know, Julius Caesar said, I came, I saw, I conquered. Veni vidi vici. Yes, I came, I saw, I conquered. And he claimed all the glory for himself. By contrast, many of us would say, I came, I saw, and I was conquered. I was conquered indeed by the love of jesus i was moved by his sacrifice i was overwhelmed by his peace i was filled with his joy i was thrilled with his forgiveness and i was empowered by his spirit oh what a difference when we come and we see and we're conquered but coming and seeing doesn't end there we to go and tell you know as disciples of Jesus we have that privileged calling uh, and alongside privilege comes responsibility you know 21st century christians you and i we walk in the steps of andrew and peter of john and philip and the others and that great commission is as much ours as theirs go and make disciples. And God hasn't chosen us because we are an extraordinary people. He doesn't call extraordinary people to serve Him. He calls ordinary people to do His work in extraordinary ways. He calls ordinary people like you and me. And He enables us with the Holy Spirit's gifting to rise to those levels needed to serve him. You may not feel particularly gifted in that way. You may feel totally inadequate. Whatever you feel, let me point you to verse 38. Jesus' first question when he saw two of his disciples was, what are you looking for? I'm interested that the original of that uh, question is, what do you want? What Jesus said to them, what do you want? And still today, you know, Jesus asks you and me, what do you want from me? What he gives is only what he can give. Nobody else can. And he actually asks us, what do you want from me? You know, Jesus isn't remote in the lofty heights of heaven. He wants to be earthed in you, in me, in your life and mine. What do you want? What do you want? What do you need to serve me this coming year? You know, our human resources are insufficient. We need, as it were, to tap into him and to receive from him there's no limit to what God can do there's no limit to what we can do when we come empty handed and ask for his gifting and his enabling so that we can be used in his service not on Sundays not on Mondays but every day wherever we are Whatever we're doing, we can serve him in the way we live our lives, empowered and gifted by him. But we need his resources. What do you want from me, he says. Be good, I think, just for a couple of minutes. Should we just sit quietly? How about having an honest chat with our gracious, loving, generous Father? How about telling him now all that Jesus means to you and thank him for that? How about telling him who you feel you now are and who you've been reminded of who you are and what do you want? Let's just have a few moments when we do that now, quietly, individually, in silence.